All right, good afternoon. It's Kyle McLean from Pilosity with always my, my far better half, James Reed from Binsmore. We're doing a, another Wine on Wednesday. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. I've been, I've been slacking off during COVID. We've been under lockdown and I find myself with more to do than, uh, than I had before. But today we have His Royal Highness Terry Bean. We were just, that's, that is the official wave, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yes. yeah, and we're super excited to have you, Terry. Uh, I saw you slalom skiing, I believe, on Facebook earlier today. Yeah, well, I wasn't doing it earlier today. I was doing it earlier in my life. So that was a, <laughs> that was a Facebook memory that came up from three years ago. Uh, and we got a we got a new boat last year, and there's no skiing behind the new boat. So okay. those those memories are. What's that? I was impressed. I was like, wow, you can still. Uh, do better than me. I can. I. I can still go out and rip that up. I. It's like riding a bike at that point, right? It's oh, like riding a bike. No, you mentioned competition and bike riding in front of James Reed. It's. It's. It's on. Now I'm I got to do it. We got to ride the bike, man. Out. I'm not doing the bike. <laughs> we could. We could go water ski. We can go paddleboard. We'll do it. We'll do water stuff, man. But I'm not. No bikes. No bikes. I don't like saddle source. Yeah. I have always wanted to thumb ski. I've never uh, actually tried, so I. It's on my bucket list. Is that like a mono? You do that in one ski? Like it's yeah. on one ski, right? Yeah, slalom. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Although it's weird, right? Because in snow skiing, slalom is like this, and it's a race. In right. slalom and water skiing means one. But I think it's probably because there's a slalom ski course that you don't ever do on two skis. How long does it take someone that's a novice? This is not where I thought this conversation was going to go. But how long does it take for a novice to actually get to from standing up on two skis to a slalom? So I learned how to ski on two when I was 12 years old. In the summer, I was 12. And by the time that summer had gone, I was dropping a ski and skiing on one. And at the very tail end of that summer, I'd actually gotten up on one ski. But dad lived on a lake, spent a lot of time working on it. It was probably, uh, you know, 87 gallons of gas. I don't know how you measure that in minutes, but yeah. that's that would be the measure for it. So, James, what, like 15, 20 minutes, you think? It takes you know, I, I've done the two skis before. I hear on the slalom, you need to have a boat that can really go to kind of pop you out of the water. High torque. Yeah. Right. And you got to you got to pull right out. So it's got it's that. But, you know, the reality is you can get up on two, you can drop one and then you can ski on one. And, you know, only the people at the very beginning of the video know how that even happened. <laughs> right, so, so we're not talking about water skiing today. We can talk about sports for that. But what I really want to do, Terry, you you talk about this at length and on podcasts and on LinkedIn networking. And James, you, you're, I know I called Terry His Royal Highness, but you're probably the king of networking. So I want to just have a, a real kind of organic conversation about networking do's and don'ts for there's a lot of people that are transitioning right now through one reason or another. People want to get back in. People want to stay in. And, and it's like everything else. It's, it's not necessarily what you do. It's who you know. But how do you make those impressions and how do you even start networking if you're, if you're kind of starting? Yeah, that's awesome, right? So, you know, it's funny. I, I definitely talk networking and I just sit here and watch James walk networking, <laughs> right? So, like, I'll do the talk. He can actually tell you how it works, right? 
um, you know, real, real quick background as to why somebody might say nice things about me and networking. It's because I started doing it 25 years ago, right? I've been, I've been in a professional networking group or running professional networking groups since 1995. So I got into LinkedIn, not because of business growth, but because of serving other people in 2000 four right it was the idea of how can i help more people virtually and i led to facebook in 06 and twitter in 08 and then i was a social media guru motor city connect started in 2006 and we were training people how to use that how to show up at events and how to run all these other social media platforms before the phrase social media even came out so um i i had i'd have a nice black beard if it wasn't for all that time spent doing this stuff be handsome like you two fellas but, you know, when you give and give and help and serve, it's, you know, it's how it goes, man. It's how it goes. So, so I actually had the pleasure of attending one of your Motor City Connect in Ferndale. Yes. Uh, it was an With- awesome event. You actually gave a kind of a powerful speech on, like, the five ways to be happy in life, not just on business. So you try to have a well-rounded perspective to get out the fire in everyone's belly. But uh, well, I left the meeting good. having no idea what you do. And to this day, I have no idea how I could use your services or retain you. So is that on purpose? Hope they ask you and it comes out or do you want to let us know? You know, it's one of those things, dude. I honestly, I always forget, right? It's like, for me, I'm so focused on the other people in the room that I don't ever worry about me. And I, I twofold, A, I probably make a bit too many assumptions that people already know who I am and what I do. So that's an issue. Um, And then two, it's uh, the right people always find you, right? The right people ask the question, the right people always show up. And so I don't ever really worry about that. But it's funny you bring it up, man. There was a joke. My my LinkedIn profile for six months uh, is said, if you ask 10 people, what does Terry Bean do? You'll get 10 smiles and nine different answers. <laughs> and I thought that was great, man. I was like, ooh, that's brilliant. I love it. And I was like, man, that still addresses the exact same problem you just brought up. People I actually saw that link clue. on social media, read all the comments, and I still didn't know what you did. <laughs> that's awesome all right so in an, in an answer i do a lot of business growth coaching i do a lot of business growth speaking i do a lot of business growth training so my entire world is taking people and their companies from where they are over the gaps they have to where they want to go right wow. i use networking i use knowledge i use resources that i have to make that happen so succinctly that's why i'm in what i do and one of the only places that i never had a connection or ever thought about speaking at is the TED talk. I hear amazing things about Ted Detroit. I see your hat. Yeah. Why don't you tell us, you know, yes, please. About it. I'm uh, so day one, right. August, 2009, I get a phone call from Charlie Wahlberg said, Hey, I just hung up with the people at Ted. We're putting on a Ted event. I was like, sweet. Who's Ted? <laughs> Cause I didn't know anything about it. 2009. Like most people. Fast forward now, here we are 2020 on September 30th, we're going to have a virtual TEDx Detroit because that's the world we live in now. Um, But this will be, you know, TEDx Detroit was one of the first 100 TEDx events in the world. And it's one of the largest events in the world. And it's the long, one of the longest running events in the world. So it's been, it's been an amazing run. We had close to 3,500 people at the Masonic Temple last year. Uh, we've done some amazing venues. We were supposed to be at Ford Field this year. My goal was to have the largest TED event 
ever in the history, uh, which would have been just north of 10,000 people. And we would have had all kinds of place. Thank you, COVID. Um, in related news, in related news, thank you, COVID, because the event is virtual, I've got Al Jean, who's the executive producer and showrunner of my favorite television show of all time, The Simpsons, going to be doing wow. a real talk, man. No way. Yeah. So thank you, COVID. You know, it's uh, like, hey, we giveth and we taketh. I'm all, it's all good. So, well, yeah, yeah, it's cool. One of your talks is about casting a positive storm. Yeah. Right. that out a little. Yeah, so for me, right, the idea is at its core is leave people better than you found them, right? So if you think about the impact that we have on other people's lives, you know, maybe you go into the gas station and you pay for your gas and you get a pack of gum or a bottle of Coke or whatever you get, and, and you are in a jerky mood and you're mean to the guy at the counter, and that rubs off and he's mean to the next person. And then that person goes off and buys something at the fast food joint and she's mean to the cashier. And there's just this cascade and this ripple effect that happens all day, every day based on our interactions with other folks. And if you can turn that from being a little bit jerky to being just a little bit nice, it's not even a, it's not even a massive turn, right? It's not mounds of effort. It's just don't be a jerk, really. If you can turn that, you can actually impact those relationships, right? So people aren't going back and hitting home and kicking the cat and yelling at the kid and smacking their spouse, right? Maybe they're having a much better day and now there's a nice family dinner and the cat's still happy right? All because of how you showed up and how you behaved and how you took the time to actually listen to someone and honor them. Yeah. I love your messaging. I love your stories and I, I can see that fire in your belly, but it seems like a lot of your networking and stories are meant not to get the result today. You're kind of building your career, you know, through retirement. So can you kind of explain how soon you should expect an ROI on the investment you started over 25 years ago? It's a great, great question. So I look at networking as farming, right? I look at sales as hunting. They're two very different skill sets. So if you're going to networking events to sell, you're doing it wrong. Networking is about building relationships. Networking is about nurturing those relationships. It's about, you know, maybe you walk into the right place, the right time, the right person's there. They need your service right now and everything lines up and magic happens. But the reality is you're probably not trying to sell to the network. You should be trying to sell through the network. So from a time frame perspective, they say that BNI, Business Network International, the single largest networking organization in like 88 countries on the planet, um, their average membership rate lasts about nine months because most people dip out before that nine months takes place. So if your average membership rate is nine months and you know that there are people in there for 20 years, mm -hmm. how many people are dropping in month, you know, in week five, week six? because we have this expectation that it's going to be immediate, but it's not, it's not ever going to be immediate. Everything takes a lot longer than we want it to. So if you show up, you're consistent, you do the right things, you bring the right energy, you bring the right people together. I say you should start seeing some level of result in four or five months and continue to grow from there. Right. But it's, it could take, it can take forever. Right. Or it can be the right guy is in there and need your service tomorrow. 
And then, you know, Callum, and you were saying you see me at a lot of places, maybe I'm spending too much time. Is there some efficiency or diminishing returns where maybe you need to, you know, pick and choose? What are your thoughts on that? A great example of that's my friend Keith Stonehouse. I don't know if you guys know Keith from Michigan Real Estate Masterminds and Franklin Title. He's a title insurance agent. Keith, Keith really helped me grow Motor City Connect back in the early days, 2007, 2008. In about 2010, 2011, he stopped coming around. I'm like, dude, what's up? And he's like, there's everybody, right? Motor City Connect was wide open, no niche, no specialization. He said, I need realtors and I need mortgage lenders to grow my business. And I see a couple of them, but I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to start my own thing. So we started Michigan Real Estate Masterminds and there are realtors and there are mortgage people and there's one title agent out of nine different chapters around the southeastern Michigan area. And he's the smartest MFR I know because of that move right there. The old saying, your niche, niche, niche will make you rich, 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 absolutely applies in networking. Well, was it Seth Godin? He's a master marketer, right? He wrote, he's talking about tribes. And he was saying, you only need a thousand people that really like you to spend a thousand bucks a year on you, you make a million dollars. But so when you're networking, how do you find those thousand people? Obviously he had a niche and put it specifically for that niche, but say you're out of work right now, right? And eight year, James and I deal with HR professionals all the time. I'm getting about a call a week right now saying, hey, this is what happened. This is the way it is right now. Can you help me out? Because they've never had to network before. It's been so good for the past 10 years, right? Everybody forgot what to do. So for people trying to get back on that bike again, I mean, you talk about giving, right? How do you, how do these men and women get back into a position where people think of them when they're looking for a, an open position or say, hey, I heard of something. How do they network and get involved? I've got, I've got two different stories for you. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the, the drummer story. Second, the first thing is you mentioned earlier, Calum, that it's, it's who, you know, right. (laughs) In the old days, it was, it's what, you know, and it's not what, you know, it's who, you know, for me these days, it's not even what, you know, or who, you know, it's how you're known. How are you positioning yourself? How are you owning spot one in your network's mental Rolodex? So if you're not super duper clear on what it is that you have to offer, first and foremost, or, and more importantly, equally importantly, what you are trying to get and can articulate that in a short, concise, specific manner, you're going to blow it. Let me tell you the drummer story. I was at a Sherm meeting years ago, right? So same kind of timeline, right? In terms of the economy, in terms of the uh, employment outlook in the HR profession. And I must have spoken to nine different HR generalists who were looking for work. And when I got home and I wrote a blog post and I said something about if, if I was looking to add a drummer the ability to play the drums is the bare minimum qualification that you bring to the table. Right. So it's a, it was, I would pat myself on the back. I'm like, this is a brilliant post. I really love it. It did. It did. did All right too. It was pretty cool. But the idea is if you're telling people that you're just an HR generalist, you're, you're, 
you're barely missing. You're barely even hitting the mark, right? You got to be able to tap dance. You'd better be able to sing. Maybe you should write some skits every now and again. You know, you got to bring the fire and sound like somebody that people want to talk to. So it's how you have to control their perception of you, right? That's kind of what you're, so it's not your job. Yeah. It's not their job. What's that? Yeah, his question gave you two stories to share. That was story one. What's the next story on this well, topic? The, the, the first one was the how you're known piece, right? And, and to really, really frame up that piece about, again, when you have people that are talking about an opportunity that sounds like James Reed, have you positioned yourself as the go-to guy? Right. It's, and that's just the way now, we're doing it. To, right. We're positioned with Terry Bean on this podcast. Right. We're golden. He's, he's, right. his, he's lifting us. He's lifting us up. He's lifting Hop on my back, fellas. Let's go. Let's do it. So we talk about James. Every, I see him all over. Right. So, and again, I'm your legal expert. I'm the guy who's going to keep you safe. Right. It's fantastic. He's got a, a great short, succinct message. It's, that's been pretty good. And Terry, same thing I heard about you. For me, when I'm going out there, is, for me, it's about transparency and honesty because people in my line of work don't have the best track record for that kind of thing. And they don't tend to be around for very long either. Well, so It's the Scottish accent. That's how you're known. Well, I'm the world's worst liar. It's why I managed to marry a really attractive girl because she was like, you're awful at lying. And I'm like... Yeah, you bring out the kill and just go all in and commit to that brand. That's what I. That's what I recommend. Absolutely, right? A little tartan right here on the shoulder. Uh, yes. I think it's awesome, dude. Yeah, a little tartan shirt here. <laughs> yeah, come out with some bagpipes every now and again. I think you got this, dude. No kilts, though. No, no. kilts. He already, no. He already said you had to wear a kilt. That we. That's already been decided. James called that first. Too many other questions come up. Too many other. There's only questions. one other question that ever happened. So don't act like it. You just hear it too many times, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah, right. So, Terry, from, from what you're seeing right now in this market, I mean, how many downturns have you seen in the economy over your career? It's interesting. Three, this is three, maybe four. So when I got out of college, there was one, but I, I hid in grad school for a little bit and the economy picked up by the time I got out of there. Uh, so technically that's, I can't, I don't want to count that. Um, you know, Oh, one had a dip, obviously when the twin towers went down, Oh, eight clearly had a dip. That was a monster based on the news we received today. Evidently we're in a pretty big dip right now. Uh, you know, in the lowest GDP or the lowest dip in the history of GDP in this, it's kind of yeah. nuts. Um, so, yeah, um, let's call it three pretty good ones, right? Look at history repeating itself. So what are we missing or what do you want to bring up from what you learned from 08 and 09 that's probably going to be a good bet and how people can maybe get ahead of the curve and build up some momentum now so that beginning of next year they're cruising. Yeah, three words. Be of service right? Just figure out how you can help people. Take time to listen to them, understand what their needs are. And if you can't help them directly, take the 27 seconds to think about who can make that connection, make that introduction and pass them along, move them forward, right? If, as long as we keep 
uh, I look at it like a bank account, right? It's relationship capital at this point. As long as you keep making deposits into that little relationship capital account, when it comes time to make withdrawals, there'll be something in there. It's really hard to go in and start going, gimme, 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 when you haven't done anything for anybody. So it's always about you and it's others folks. This sounds like, this sounds like an awful lot of work. That's why it's called networking, right? It's not called net sitting or net screwing around. It's networking, man. <laughs> yeah, that raises a great question. You mentioned, you know, the networking, you mentioned speaking, you mentioned blogs. You haven't yet really talked about the fun, but like what do you what would be your job description if you were a master networker? <laughs> to have fun, right? So one of my one of my favorite moves at any networking event is to grab somebody and go sit way over there, right? I don't know where way over there is, but you're in a room, everybody's over here, you go over there, you two start having fun, and then watch the entire party move, right? It's awesome because people are drawn to people that are having a good time. And uh, you know what, I, my wife will attest, I tend to have a good time anywhere I go. <laughs> I, I agree, I think it's all about fun. Everyone at the end of the day wants to enjoy what they're doing, but I, I think to make that fun experience be memorable, like I had a great time attending your Motor City Connect event, but I made a mistake by not really seeing you again. So is there some magic number where you have to make sure you kind of share that fun multiple times throughout the year or a certain amount of follow-up you have to do? That's a great question. I love it. And I love the thought process behind it. So the reality is this, it, it, some people bond right away, super fast, hang out, right? You guys both know Greg. I, I met Greg and I actually followed him around for a while. I was like, I like this dude. I like his energy. I like what he's about, right? And, and we've met up on a couple of occasions since then because I, I just like the guy. Um, and it's not that I don't like you, James. It didn't have anything to do with it, right? It's, <laughs> Thank you. It, it, it ain't that. Um, but it is. It's something about having that repeat conversation and making that initiative and taking that effort. Um, and so for me, I would tell you, you know, depending on who you are, it's probably three, maybe four encounters, right? And an encounter, and this is what people forget, an encounter can be a 15-minute phone call right? It can be a 15 minute Zoom chat. It doesn't have to be, let me hop in my car. Let me go drive 37 miles to meet you for 20 minutes worth of coffee. That's dumb, right? Save that time. Make that meetings two or three or four. Make sure meeting one is the low effort, low impact, just to kind of get to know each other a little bit, where you find that common ground, where you find a reason to build. The other thing I'll tell you, and this is super important and where most people get wrong, if you go to a networking event and there's 50 people in the room, your goal should be to have six to eight really good conversations. Your goal is not to collect 50 business cards, right? Or to, even worse, to hand out and spam people with 50 business cards. Don't be that person. Be intentional about what you're doing. That's that great was, advice. That was a question I had. So how does someone that's trying to break in and establish themselves and present this image where people come to them, how did he grab your attention or how did he learn to do this? Because it's a skill, right? This is a, this is, a completely ignored skill because of these guys right here. 
Mm-hmm. People are just completely distracted. So how did they get good at this? So number one is when it's your turn to speak, have something worth saying. So many people get up and they either ramble on. If your introduction has more than two ands in it, it's too long and you blew it. So start there, right? Short, specific, memorable. I tell people all the time, we do the ask at Motor City Connect, and the ask is very clear and it's very crisp. It's 13 seconds long. Your name, your business name, your business category. My name's Terry Bean with Tribean. I'm a business growth consultant, right? That's it. Four seconds on that. And then who's the one person or the one company or what's the one big idea that you're looking for, right? If someone could introduce you in this room to it would make your month rock. And it's just that. And here's what happens when you actually do that. When you put that out there, if you're trained in this at all, or even in human behavior, you can watch the room and you can see who lights up because people have a visceral response when they know the right answer, right? (laughs) So if I say I'm looking to meet the head of sales and marketing for, uh, you know, Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you know, and I, if I'm better, I'll say I'm looking for the head of communications there. And it's a guy named Andy Hetzer, Hetzel, Hetzel. Um, and if somebody knows Andy, they're going to be like, whoa, I know Andy. Right. They're not going to try to. They're not going to. It's but it's like ingrained. It's almost subconscious. They light up. And so you can figure out who those people are. It's pretty cool. And I think you hit another kind of unconscious awesome point is that you ask a lot of questions rather than dictate the answers to people and let them come to the right conclusion. Is that strategic? 100%. Maybe it's natural for you. 100%. Yeah. You know what? I I will tell you networking and in marketing and social media, all of these things are better if you're innately curious about other people. Right. So there's, there's, there's really only a handful of different types of people, right? When we really break everything down, you're motivated internally or externally, you're focused on others or self, right? So internally motivated others, focused people make fantastic networkers, folks that are going to get up, they have the drive, they're going to go do the things and they give a shit about other people. You're really good. If you're super selfish and only about yourself and you're externally motivated, meaning someone's got to come and kick you in the butt to go do something, you're going to be garbage at networking, right? So you kind of, and you can pick up again, if you understand people, you can kind of pick that up as you're, as you're listening to people talk, what are they saying? How do they respond to what's going on in the world? Right. You can understand who they are pretty quickly. And I think another point is that I see so many people with their job title as sales that are networking, but this message applies, I think, to any job position because you're always networking internally or externally or a hybrid. Is that, would you agree? hundred percent, man. hundred, at least you should be. And I have some friends that have been in corporate America for 20 plus years. And they're like, you know what? I, I th- we need to figure out how to do internal corporation networking courses. How do we put something like that together? I was like, find somebody that wants to do it, man. We'll build that in a heartbeat. But yes, 100%. Because ultimately, when you do networking right, when you put other people first, their needs first, and then try and figure out, you know, what, what do you need? What do I need? And what can we do together, right, in that order? 
if you can do that, then networking can take place anywhere, anytime, all day, every day. Right? It's just a matter of shifting the focus and the energy about it. For those that don't have networking as their primary job function, how much time should someone realistically dedicate a day or a week in order to make progress? I would pick, um, I, I would look at networking in, in two very different schools, demographics, right? You need to network where your customers are and you should do that face-to-face -face for sure. You should do it online, but you should do it face-to-face -face for sure. You need to network where the thought leaders or maybe even your competition is. You can do that online, right? So you can keep an idea of what's going on in and around your industry. And then you should be really strong networking both online and in the real world in your specific geography. You know, one of the best podcasts I did was with a gentleman out of Minneapolis that was making T-shirts. And his advice was, we started by owning our blocks. What does that mean? He's like, we literally, we took a three block section of Minneapolis and we became the dominant player there. And from there, we expanded concentrically out. Think about your network and your geography. And it doesn't have to be three blocks from your home or three blocks from your office. Pick the geography you want to be and own that. And then watch what happens. The key to being a really good networker though is do your job well, because that's how you get referrals. That's how you become well-known. Isn't that weird? I know, it's like, holy shit, we're done, Terry. Hang up, we're over it. Right. We, didn't, we didn't even know. I, yeah, I just solved all the problems. Although, I, in addition to doing your job well, it seems like in order to get your name out there, social media is something that you should leverage, because people may not know the best secret in town still in this day and age. Is that it's, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, leverage it, right? I, I, uh, I've been doing I've been doing a series of webinars since COVID started because a I wanted to tighten up my webinar game because why not? B I wanted to get better at creating visuals, uh, and C I just wanted to stay in practice speaking in front of people. Um, but one of the webinars I you know I conceived was this idea of be the shit on the socials. Right. And so shit's my four point pillar. Can I say shit? Because I just said it like four yeah. times. Okay, good. Is it, is it too late now? Because it, it probably doesn't matter anymore. Um, but it's all about it's all about story selling or storytelling. It's humor. It's inspiration. And it's truth. Right. So those are the four pillars of what our social media could be your truth is who you serve what you do why people care it could be stats it could be demographics humor is obviously humor inspiration is pretty clear and then story selling tell people the result I like of it. it's memorable get. i'm gonna remember that and and call it out so use it how do i use that in the new normal with covid the master networker need to adapt it all and develop any new skills or sharpen any yeah man that's uh like i said it a hundred times if you don't come out of this better than you went into it you wasted a boatload of time i mean how many times can anyone watch tiger king for crying out loud right, right. that's uh i don't know is that still do people still talk about tiger king yeah. depends any of it um but it was it it was the idea of where are I've always been a big fan of not worrying about your weaknesses, but doubling down on your strengths, right? Mm -hmm. And learned that a long time ago. So for me, it was like, well, if my strengths are presenting, 
but I've got this area of presentation where, because I'm an auditory learner, I don't really think about the visuals as well. So I'll take selfies and they'll be crooked and sideways, or I'll take photos and they'll be horrible, or I'll make an image and I'll put it on a slide deck and it'll be blurry as crap. And I won't even notice, right? It's like me walking past the socks on the stairs. Um, I just don't even see it. But I know that it's an issue and I know that other people care. So working on making yourself better at whatever it is that you know is going to let you in playing in your area strength, right? To make that strength even higher. What is that time? Where is that highest and best use for you to double down and improve your area strength? So for me, it was visual. And so I could go out and tell that story. You know, James, you and I spoke at HR Unite 2020 yes. uh, virtual conference a couple of weeks ago. Way to go, Tima Woe. Tina Marie. That's yeah, right. Yeah, she's awesome. Awesome. HR, awesome. Hashtag HR, awesome. HR, yeah, awesome. But, you know, then, and it's funny because the event you were at for Motor City Connect, when I did that five pillars talk, she came and said, I want you to close my event with that talk. She was there with me as well. She's the one that introduced me to Terry B. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. At uh, Disrupt HR, right? We had a, it was a great time. That was so much fun. Anyway, Terry Berry, for those of us in the know, I, uh, you know, when I, when she asked me to do that talk, I was like, that's really cool. But because I'd been doing these webinars for the last three months, the visuals in that talk were, um, that they were, that was the best presentation deck I've ever put together. Right, because I spent three months building better presentation decks, using different tools, using different images, and actually thinking about it. So some of those images are now showing up on LinkedIn as as reminders, or I can tell stories about them, or I can share one little segment of that presentation at a time. And, And ultimately, that reflects on the brand. The other thing that is super duper duper important is the idea of shining the light on other people. Right. The more you can do that, the more you can lend your credibility to others or borrow some from them, whichever the case may be, the better off you are. But when you shout somebody out, it always has um, a good impact. Not only do you extend the audience and the reach, but that light reflects right back on you, too. I think that's a great way for people to get started with networking, especially if they've not done it very much before in the past a little bit nervous, kind of, they're not as outgoing as myself or James or you, and they're, they're having to get into this. I think what you're saying about finding someone and making them look great, finding someone in the room that's got the biggest shining light outwards, directing more people to them, obviously you want to give it back in return. And what you can give is so much more than what they're bringing, right? hundred percent. And that's, and that's such a great idea. Um, and it actually ties into another great idea that you wrote about in my book. One of the people that you need to meet at every single networking event, there's always, you can tell the connector in the room because they're like holding court. There's like a group of people kind of surrounding them, laughing, having a good time. Go meet that person, introduce yourself crisply, clearly, specifically, tell them who you want to meet and they'll sherpa you around the event. Not it, it, it only because they can't help it. It's ingrained in who they are, man. They'll just take you. They don't even have to know you. They'll introduce you to the people that you need to meet. It's awesome. I love it. So a, a question that I'm kind of struggling with is that I like to cycle. I like to work out. Family man. 
Uh, it's hard to be an expert at everything in a well-rounded world, but at the same time, I feel like you have to be well-rounded because if I skip cycling for a couple of weeks and just network, I'm kind of exhausted. The fire in the belly isn't there as much. And, you know, do you have to main balance everything? Like what's your advice if you want to be the best networker? Yeah. So say no to more things, right? Ultimately my best advice for all of it is always say no to more things, right? When you get really, really clear and really, really specific on who you are and what you're trying to do, it becomes really easy to know what's a yes and what's a no. The challenge is most people are just kind of floating through life a little bit, right? Like, Hey, not like Stevie wonder, but you know, just kind of floating. If you know exactly what you're doing with intentionality, it just becomes super easy to say no. And the more you say no, the more you have time to say yes to things that matter. Right. What about scaling? Like, uh, I see a lot, it's the Terry Bean show. Are, at some point, are you going to have a, a prodigy that's going to be part of the Terry Bean team? Or do you already have, are you already, you know, bigger than yourself? I, uh, I've, I've groomed a couple of people and sometimes you end up training your competitors and sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all good, man. It's all good. I, you know, I like people. I'm a horrible, horrible delegator is my, is my weakest business strength. Right. Does that make any sense? Weakest business strength. I, yeah. I, so in an effort to scale, You've got to be really good at that. So, um, and I haven't found the the right person to, you know, I've, I've, I've breathed a lot into a lot of different people, right? But I haven't said, okay, you're the one. And so I'd like to at some point, we'll see. Yeah. I'll anoint somebody, who knows? So is your vision, you like, what, how to maximize today or this year or this month? Well, how, how far ahead are you looking? So it's funny you asked that question because for the longest time I'd been working on a 10 year plan, but I'd been working on it poorly, right? It's a, it's an interesting challenge when the coach doesn't have a coach, right? Because right. like, I've got all kinds of ideas that I want to do. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. 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 So I move seven different balls down the field every single day. So um, it's too early to make any announcements, but there are some changes happening in my life that are going to uh, have a lot more clarity and have a lot more specificity. So when you say, what does Terry Bean do? It'll be like, he does this and he does it for these people. And he spends time here. And then he hangs out with James drinking bourbon, <laughs> smoking cigars and golfing with some bankers. Man, let's... Oh, sign me up. I'm following the Terry Bean plan. I like it. Right. I so like so it. before, before we wrap this up and get a final, couple final takeaways, you wrote a book? I did. Yeah. I wrote a book on networking, oddly enough. Go figure. Um, <laughs> it was, it, it, listen, man, I started doing these trainings, right? Before Motor City Connect events at 10 a.m., I would do like an hour, hour and 15 minute just training. Here are the things that you need to know before networking, at the event, after networking, how to network online and why networking works. So I had it broken down into five sections. And, and I would do the training and then people would start paying me for the training. I was like, this is even better. I love it. And then I was like, Hey, I could make this into a book. And one day I sat down and wrote a book and two years and 38 days later, there was an actual book. I told people, man, it was December. I had a holiday party. I had a bunch of friends over. I'm like, by March, I'm going to have a book out. 
that was uh, Christmas time 2008 in March 2010. There was the book, man. <laughs> so I didn't say which March. I really didn't. Yeah. Ever. So, totally true. Yeah, so the book's cool, man, if it's, it follows that format, because ultimately that's where I think most people screw it up. And the book's available at trybean.com, and if you go and look and see about the book, it'll tell you exactly where the book is, trybean, T-R-Y-B-E-A-N.com. So, James, for you, for networking, what was the what was the thing that helped you get started? I mean, Roger, you said, was your mentor when you were getting started networking. So, what was it that just kind of connected with you that just got you on that path the first step was uh you're not allowed to solicit business was the rule of our networking program so i learned right away that's you'll be disliked if you come out right away hey give me this give me that so build the relationship organically and don't solicit uh business is the first takeaway i got but i think that what Terry Bean said, you got to first be a master in your field before you can organically get business. And so I waited until I became a partner based on understanding employment law before I even started my networking. And because uh, I wasn't qualified to draft articles, being an expert in all these areas and write a book or give advice. So I, I first started by just really studying, becoming a master in my area so that when I was having conversations, I was comfortable. I wasn't selling. I was talking about my passion and what I know and I had real stories to go with it and not just some legal fluff. Love it. Good Gary, question. Get, what was the one big thing that you think took your networking to the next level for you? Uh, I was a year and a half into it. I was, you know, I was 26 years old. I was running a handful of different chapters for a group down in Columbus, Ohio. And that was cool, right? Being the area director guy. Um, but during that time, I gave a 40-year-old sales rep for an office furniture company a lead. I gave him a referral. And he came to me three weeks, a month later, whatever it was. And he said, I just got to let you know. It's the single biggest deal I've ever closed in my life. And thank you. And, and I like the, the admiration, the appreciation, the just overall excitement of, of him in that moment, man. That's, that's what I like. I liked it and I got it and I like serving other people. But in that moment, I was like, I'm hooked. I'm in. Let's do this all the time. I just, I gravitate towards people that just love what they do. I don't want to hear, oh, man, today, I, you lost me already. Yep. I think a big underestimated takeaway is that if you affiliate yourself with Terry Bean and Callum, you can get more referrals from the other trusted advisors than you actually could from the target audience if you develop that relationship. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, we talk, in fact, my post today on LinkedIn was about uh, three ways to get known, liked, and trusted faster, right? Because ultimately, if that's true, we do business with people we know, like, and trust, well, you better figure out how to hit those things quick, right? And in leveraging, again, the credibility of other people is a great way to do that, right? Getting those introductions is a great way to do it. And then finding common ground, which is what that post today actually focused on is a great way to do it. 
with the best networkers take years to develop this craft and get really good and reap the rewards from it, right? This is a long-term play. It's not a, if you want immediate gratification, networking, people are going to feel it coming off you. It's just going to be awkward at best. Unless, unless you're doing it with them in mind, right? If you're doing it with you in mind, it's horrible, it's skeezy, it sucks ass, nobody likes it. If you're doing it with them and how you can be of service, that is the best way to shortcut the process. If I could tell you three things that were going to make you a better networker tomorrow, Mm -hmm. ask questions, listen exceptionally well, and be generous with your time, energy, and introductions. Those three things are game changers right now. Don't care who you are. That's all we need to know. That, that sums it up. Sorry, We're guys. We wasted late. 30 minutes. My bad. I should have just started there. <laughs> you should have started there. <laughs> no, but then it wouldn't get to know you and love you like we do now. Come on. Right. Well, let's uh, continue this on LinkedIn. We'll post this. Let's get some comments. Are there any questions from the audience you want to kind of start uh, the vibe to be asked? Yeah. That's a good question. I, you know what, I, I'm happy to answer whatever, however, for whomever, right? Yeah. So, you know, I would, I would find somebody that knows what's up and what they're doing and ask if you can, you know, buy them a virtual beer or take them to a virtual lunch and, you know, ask some questions. Don't use the phrase, pick your brain. That drives people nuts, especially if they've had their brain picked way too many times. Good but, one. What pet peeves, you know, turn people off from continuing uh, the conversation. I, that one, I'd like that's nails on a chalkboard to me. Can right. I pick your brain? I'm like, it was so bad. I made a pick my brain offer, right? Like I have a whole thing. This is, you can pick my brain. It's going to cost you this much. It's going to take this much time. And then you can pick whatever the hell you want. You take it all. I don't even care. Love it. Awesome. All right. We'll get this up on LinkedIn. Terry, thank you so much. I've been chasing you and ignoring you. Like I said, <laughs> it's, it's been all on me the worst networker ever it was all on me but thanks for coming in i will look for your next beautiful lakeside photograph story video whatever i i live on i i live vicariously through your lake life i i, I listen man i'd love to say i'm sorry but i am not even remotely <laughs> i am happy about it you want us to nominate to make bring on our next podcast that's a great question what uh who's your who's your audience and who do you who do you want to talk to man? you want to talk to who's ever smart has the energy and can give practical you know, learning, learning new stuff so i would put brenda meller on that list i would put steve uh steve's last name lowitz over at qualagents yep. i would put steve on that list if he's not already um, if you're really talking to human resource people, those are the first two that I, I think are awesome and will bring value. Brenda will talk about LinkedIn. Steve will talk about cool stuff, right? We should come back and maybe talk about the future of work because we didn't even get into that whole side of things. And that's a cool conversation too. So I think we got to do a panel next time. Maybe you identified a, a good start to it. Well, I think Perfect. Google just said they're not going to bring 200,000 people back to the office till summer 2021. They made that announcement today or this yeah, week? Two, two days ago, yeah. I, it's amazing, man. It's an amazing, amazing thing. So, I, yeah, it's going to be different, right? I looked at Google as a great example. You know, they have more contract employees than they have full-time employees. 
Right. Right. So that's the that's like that's the whole other talk. The, the new economy is supposed to be a gig economy with your an eighteen month job being the average going forward. Wasn't so that what you said? I watched your podcast the other day. You said that's a sure thirty two thirty two jobs. You said thirty two jobs over the lifetime is the new normal. Yes, I'm finally normal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're cutting off there. Right. <laughs> five o'clock somewhere. All right, guys. Thank you so much. All right. It's always awesome getting you guys on. We'll see you later. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, fellas. Yep. Bye. All right. Oh, he, 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 when you said bye, he's like, yeah, I'm out. I got to go. Yeah.